Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there is really disappointed when I saw you post that link to the uh, the scam there's some fraud going around. People are just awful, man. Uh, it was like some fraud fundraiser for that fallen Richmond PD officer, Sierra Burton, shot in the line of duty, losing her life uh, weeks later. And now people are trying to scam off that and uh, solicit uh, illicit funds for like some sort of GoFundMe type of thing. And it's not real, right? Right. And this is what we say all the time if you're going to donate to one of these causes which some are fantastic you have to make sure it's legitimate though make sure it's something that's approved by the family approved by the police department do a little bit of research because listen your money is valuable i understand you have a good heart uh, but money is valuable, and when you make a donation, you have to be sure that it's going to the right place because there are scumbags trying to take advantage of you. I posted on our Facebook and Twitter what the Richmond Police Department said, um, and it's basically just make sure it's something that is official with the family. Is this the one? Okay, so is this the one that the Richmond Police Department posted? That's the fake one? Correct. And it said it, it's already raised $3,500. So, so unfortunately, this fake scam charity in memory of Officer Burton has already raised $3,500 with a goal of 15000 And really, it sucks because if there is a, a GoFundMe or some sort of fundraising account, I'm not aware if there is or not at this point, that also puts that into question. That makes it harder to find. That makes it harder to donate. Right. When there's all these scam ones out there and you don't know which is which and there's only one official one, that that makes it harder for them to raise money for the legit cause. And I like the concept of GoFundMe. Oh, I do. Uh, we had the story after the Greenwood shooting, the folks that lost their life in the mall. Yes. Their official yeah. GoFundMe accounts were set up, and they were able to raise a lot of money to help with the funeral yeah, one expenses. Of, one of the few decent things about social media is something like a GoFundMe where you can raise legitimate funds to help people pay for their expenses at a time of tragedy. Uh, I don't know that you'd be able to do something like that 15, 20 years ago, as quickly anyway, as you are able to do in modern day with social media and GoFundMe and all these sites. But man, yeah, you got to be, you got to be vigilant about that kind of thing. I mean, they raised $3,500 before Richmond police were able to confirm that that, that was a scam. What a scumbag Sucks. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute scumbag. Find out who that is and... I don't know what charges you can put on them, fraud or whatnot, but it's just gross that this officer loses her life after a courageous and long battle. You know, not only after the shooting, but after being taken off of life support. And somebody's very first thought was, I'm going to yeah. set up a GoFundMe account and we're going to try to rip people off. That's disgusting. And, and you know why? Because it works. It works. $3,500. Um, first of all, they should shut that down. That money should be returned to the people that donated. I wonder if that's possible. I don't know how that works exactly. They find some sort of fraud GoFundMe, and they're able to return the money to the people that, that donated. 
uh, or I, I, see, I, like, I just don't know how it works. Like if you're able to cash out at a certain point. Right. I think they can sense. refund yeah, money yeah. if they find it to be okay. a fraudulent thing. So let's hope the folks that made a donation uh, without realizing that this was a fraudulent deal get their money and back. if there is a legitimate donation site, please let us know. I haven't, I, I don't think we've confirmed that there is one or the family has one. But if, if you're out there and you know of one for Officer Burton, please let us know at Hammer and Nigel. Seven weeks, Nigel. Seven weeks away from the midterm elections. That's unbelievable. Election night is seven weeks away. And tonight, there's a really interesting event. We've been talking about this for a little bit over a week. The Marion County Prosecutor Forum. It's at the Castleton United Methodist Church. It's being put on by the North Shadeland Alliance. So you're going to have both candidates for the prosecutor's office in Marion County in person there tonight answering questions that have been provided by the community. Cindy Carrasco, the Republican challenger, uh, the Democratic incumbent, Ryan Mears, they're going to be there. Now, Nige, you and I are going to be here on the air when this thing starts. It starts at 630. So if anybody listening can make it to this event, uh, kind of be our eyes and ears, uh, get with us, tweet at us, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, maybe even call the show tomorrow. Let us know how that goes because... I think this is the most interesting race, not only in Marion County, Nigel, mm-hmm. but oh, possibly yeah. in the state one. of Indiana. This is a big one, for sure. This is a big one, for sure. And uh, the the people that are organizing this event, you know, they have they have over 150 questions, uh, questions about uh, abortion, which I could care less if I'm a Marion County resident at this point, asking a prosecutor about abortion. I want to know about this revolving door, low bond, no cash bail, uh, his refusal to prosecute poverty crimes, um, and, you know, partnership between the prosecutor and judges with the sweetheart plea deals. That's what I want to know about. How can you be a prosecutor and you have a horrible relationship with the police department? Because the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, they've got a no-confidence vote with the current prosecutor, Ryan Mears. So if you're going tonight— That's embarrassing, by the way. It's humiliating. You're right. It's it's shameful. If you're going tonight—and it's free to attend. If you're going tonight, uh, let us know how that goes. We're easy to find, at Hammer and Nigel. Reverend Charles Harrison— a city leader. He's part of the 10-point coalition. Yeah. We've had him on the show a bunch of times. He's somebody that's passionate about the crime situation in the city of Indianapolis. He put out a really interesting video on his Twitter feed this morning. We're going to be plus 200 homicides for the third year in a row, I think, and, and 200 homicides cannot be the norm for this city when it comes to the level of violence that we are seeing. I think the broken judicial system is still a problem, and I also think the proliferation of unlawful guns in the hands of those who have no moral compass nor any regard for the sanctity of human life is still two areas that we must address in Indianapolis if this violence is going to decline. And that's just a small portion of like a two and a half minute Mm -hmm. that the Reverend put out there. And again, keep in mind, Reverend Harrison is not a Republican. Reverend Harrison admitted on our show before, you know, he votes for both sides, but he's a registered Democrat. But it's ridiculous that safety in the city of indianapolis has become a republican and democrat situation it's it's hilarious to think about how mayor hogsett walked up to your dad as as they were booing him at the parade in beach grove and 
what what are you guys booing me for which boo you know and he you didn't your dad say something about the crime and and hog said trying to go oh cri- well crime's going down and your dad responded with it's got nowhere to go but down right that shouldn't be the bar set we have record numbers 200 homicides is not normal, nor should it ever be acceptable in the city of Indianapolis. And you heard the reverend right there. Right now, the city of Indianapolis is on pace for a third straight year of over 200 homicides. And it doesn't seem like the judicial system or the prosecutor's office doing anything to protect some of these victims of violent crimes. They get beat. They get hit with a hammer. Their attackers get arrested, and they get right back out on the streets. And twice now, uh, the, the victims of these crimes repeat offenders have been murdered there was a story that rtv6 did the local abc affiliate here in indianapolis to where they were talking about the crime and there was a woman that wanted to talk about it but she was so scared for her own safety she refused to appear on camera the cries of frustration can be felt through this mother who didn't want her face showed on camera out of fear one of many who were scared to go on camera. I'm scared to even be out here with my, you know, my kids, nieces and nephews and stuff. Again, that's RTV6. Yeah, where's uh, Mayor Hogsett to tell her, hey, you know what, crime's going down, actually. wonder how she'd respond to something like that. So, again, if you're going to this event tonight, it's free. I think it'd be a fantastic thing to attend if you're concerned about what's happening in Marion County or specifically your neighborhoods with crime. It's at the Castleton United Methodist Church. Uh, it's being put on by the North Shadeland Alliance, and it starts at 630. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Jason Hammers here. I'm Nigel. And on the drive, Hubler.com hotline, Wish TV meteorologist Marcus Bailey. Marcus, are, I was watching this morning. Are the, are, are the glasses new? Or are those they, like a, just yeah. a, They are new. Okay. It's like you, you didn't just decided to leave the contacts out today or uh, what? No. No. So I was, I, I, I am just like now a new glasses guy. I guess it just kind of comes with, uh, with getting older. I didn't yeah, realize that my eyes me. were that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that my eyes were as bad as they were, and I went to the eye doctor, and they gave me these glasses, and I like, I was like, whoa, and now when I take them off, I'm like, dang. <laughs> you can tell so, the difference. Yeah, so, but yeah, so well, I'm enjoying them, though. I had some headaches for a few days, but they're all right, so. So, Marcus, yeah, being the good, Indians yeah. fan that you are, what are the chances yeah. you get the skull and crossbone glasses to wear? <laughs> like Ricky Vaughn? Like Ricky Vaughn had. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely thinking about getting some maybe white tape to kind of put up on the middle there. And we'll <laughs> to go. Try to give them the heater uh, in the middle of the weather forecast. But, yeah, we might try to do that for October, a little Halloween costume or something. That'd be a good yeah. idea. In about another <laughs> week, I mean, I've been living with these readers, which i constantly taking – off and putting on every time I have to read something up close and hammer. I didn't even yeah. tell you this. Uh, about another week, I will be uh, displaying um, <clears throat> what's known in old guy uh, speak as bifocals. Oh, oh, <laughs> where, oh nice. Where I will uh, uh, be constantly wearing glasses now instead of having to take and take off and on these old cheap China readers. Marcus, so. that's how it starts. One minute you're putting on bifocals, the next minute you're eating Werther's Originals and you're watching Matlock. And now we're waiting for Nights to be yep. walking down the circle. He's going to have the, the high white socks. Yep, that's <laughs> right. And then, I mean, 
Forget the transitional lenses, Nige. Get go go to the drugstore and get those little cheap plastic things you can slide back behind your glasses there that you can transition those into sunglasses. Oh, interesting. No, I did not get the transitions where they <laughs> where they turn into sunglasses. My wife, I thought about it. My wife was with me. She's like, "You are not getting transitions." <laughs> uh, Marcus, uh, yeah. we are going to have a couple days of unseasonably warm temperatures today and yeah. tomorrow, but what? What happens after that? Big drop off. Um, for those that have been kind of kind of antsy for a little bit of, you know, fall feel, and we certainly haven't had many of those days, you're going to get a taste of it. Um, it's not going to last long, but, but, but it comes at the end of the week with a pretty potent cold front. So tomorrow's going to be, it's going to be a steamy day tomorrow. I think we're going to get up to 90 tomorrow. Nice. Um, and it may be a little on the muggy side as well. There's a chance for some storms. I don't think it's a widespread threat. There's an outside shot that you could get maybe a gusty storm or two. I'm not overly concerned with, with widespread severe weather. And that window's going to be kind of like 6 p.m. to midnight. Uh, Wednesday evening. Following that, then, is when the cool air is going to rush in. I think we're going to struggle to hit 70 on Thursday for a high. We kind of get in the the core of this cool down uh, Friday morning. I think we're going to have lows in the low to mid 40s, so it's going to be chilly uh, to start. Yeah. Well, that's well. Thursday's the begin. Thursday's the official beginning of of fall, right? That's right. That's the uh, what's called the autumnal equinox. So it's basically on the calendar that you have. That's the first day of fall. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Friday, I don't think we make it out of the 60s. I think highs in the mid-60s should be dry, should be, you know, pretty calm, not a strong wind, a lot of sunshine. You're probably looking at numbers in the upper 50s, low 60s for, for kickoff for high school football. I think it's going to be nice, but probably going to need the sweatshirt for the first time for the football games this year. Marcus, did you – my wife had me in the attic this weekend, got down all the Halloween stuff, all the fall okay. stuff. It's it's all out there now. Hammer's probably a few weeks ahead of me on that. We've been set up <laughs> since race day. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Or do you have the, uh, the fall wreaths out or the skeleton, the fake skeletons out on the front porch yet, the decorations? Not- not yet. My my wife's not one of those like it's fall y'all kind of ladies, you know. But uh, oh, mine is. That's probably kind of. I think I think part of it is because it's been so hot. It's just yeah. That this you haven't flipped the switch yet. Uh, so maybe probably this weekend when it starts feeling a little cool and you know the hoodies are coming out. That may change, but no, no, we haven't, we haven't, we flipped that switch just yet. So, Marcus, just one more time to make sure we're all yeah. on the same page here. We're going to have about ninety degrees tomorrow. It's going to be really hot, yeah. but then after that, the next couple of days, we're talking about lows in the forties and fifties, right? Right. Yeah. It, you know, I think again, Friday mornings, I think, going to be the coolest morning over the next several. Uh, where you know, I've got us down to around forty-five here in Indy. I think outlying areas. Uh, probably sneak into the lower 40s. We'll have highs in the mid-60s for Friday. We do bounce back. So if you're not quite ready for this transition fully yet, the weekend's not bad. We're into the mid-70s this weekend. And then it looks like much of next week, it's fairly comfortable. It's a little below average. Normal high for the last week of September's mid-70s. I've got us into the low 70s, basically Monday through Friday next week. And, of course, by the end of the week, we will be making the transition to October. So, but it looks pretty good here as far as temperatures. Just a little bit on the cooler side here over the last couple of days of this week. Last thing before we let you go, 
I know you're a Colts fan. We're oh, Colts yeah. fans here. <laughs> yeah. At what point in that game on Sunday did you walk away in disgust? So, so it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we invited a bunch of neighbor friends over who have never witnessed me watching a Colts game. <laughs> oh. They so were invited wife, over to watch you watch the game. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I was the entertainment and not the game. Uh, she had already warned them after game, week one, the Houston game, that I was already in like week 13 form in terms of yelling at the television, language, throwing things across the, the living room. Um, I mean, I kind of I, I knew where we were headed probably within, you know, the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, the first quarter. Um, I knew it was ugly. We hadn't fixed what we had that need to be. That fixed. first interception. Yeah, that was that's that was when the text messages right. started coming in from Nige. That's when I started getting the text messages in from all right. of my friends. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew when JT couldn't get going um, because he was probably the reason why we were even able to tie to begin with in the first week uh, that he wasn't going and we couldn't get him going in the last game of the season last week that. We were going to be in big trouble, and I unfortunately was right for the, for that game. So, you know, here we go. Uh, we'll what did the, the neighbors we'll say? Were, did the neighbors go home feeling like they, they were satisfied watching you watch the game? <laughs> I feel like when they left, they they said, thanks for having us over, but did one of those, like, they gave a wide-eyed look to their, you know, their spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ever invite us over for this ever again. <laughs> right. So I guess we probably won't be invited to any, any uh, kids' parties anytime soon, and I'll know why. So, yeah. There's somebody in the ever. neighborhood right now. Wow, that that weather guy from Channel 8, he's got a filthy mouth. <laughs> really aggressive during cold games, right? <laughs> Marcus Bailey, meteorologist, Wish TV. Marcus, you're the best. Thank you. All right. Thanks, fellas. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer's over there. I'm Nigel. Uh, last weekend, Kamala Harris saying, hey, the border's secure, nothing to worry about, and the borders are. It's all secure. The uh, new border data that just uh, dropped shows that's that's truly a ridiculous lie. Record numbers in August will bring in uh, Nathan Brand, the RNC Deputy Comms Director in the DriveHuber.com hotline. We'll, we'll get into these numbers, Nathan. I'll tell you two numbers that really frighten me. It's the... 66 people on the terror watch list that have been apprehended uh, since uh, last year. And then you see this number, 850,000 gotaways. Uh, Talk about what gotaways are and why that is is such a disturbing number. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Thank you, Hammer and Nigel, for having me on. No, the gotaways number is a number that the... Department of Homeland Security puts out every every month when they release these numbers of folks they saw coming but were not able to apprehend. So what we're talking about is there's 4.4 million people who they have encountered at the border. And many of those, they're then going on and letting them into the United States or flying them across the country. Well, there's an additional nearly 
um, 850,000 that have gotten away and we don't know where they are. That's that's nearly a million people that are just have entered the United States unaccounted for, um, no clue, any tracking, any anything to know where they're going. And who knows who those people are? You mentioned it. There's people on the terror watch list. There's thousands of pounds of fentanyl and cocaine and um, drugs pouring across our border. Gangs are the ones driving most of this, whether it's human trafficking or, or whatnot. These are people we have no clue. We have no idea what their background. These aren't just people we are hoping that they are going to come and work good jobs and be good taxpaying citizens. We have no idea. So, yeah, there is some reason to be alarmed by what Joe Biden and the Democrats have done to our southern border. Nathan, I'm looking at the numbers for just August alone, not even the entire year, just the single month of August. 2,204 pounds of fentanyl were seized at the border. Wow. 4,969 pounds of cocaine seized at the border. And 12 arrests of individuals on the terror watch list. Now, to put that in perspective here, Nathan, you look back at 2017, only two people all year were arrested from the terror watch list. Uh, 18, it was six. Nobody in 2019, just in the month of August, there were 12. Why isn't this Mm -hmm. the top story on every single news outlet in the country? No, it should be. And I'm glad you guys are talking about it. Instead, there's outrage on the left. Like, how dare you send 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. And that's where the outrage is. It's just 50 of them. They see that every day, every hour at the southern border, and these numbers do not stop. And if for your listeners, if you guys really need kind of a sense for how dramatic these numbers are, some of the lessons I've seen for Indianapolis is about 870,000 um, Hoosiers live in Indianapolis. That's how many people have gotten away wow. undetected into the United States. That's it's a city of Indianapolis who has flooded across the southern border since Joe Biden took office. These numbers, they're very hard to comprehend. And that's the closest we can get. Indianapolis is not some small town. It's 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 a big city for um, for a number of reasons. But it's alarming for uh, it's and it's ultimately going to cost them the election this November. But um, I think it's a lot of people need to make their voices heard and keep fighting back because this is truly, truly dangerous. Um, and troubling on so many levels. And so the borders are, Kamala Harris says, yeah, the border's secure. Is she gaslighting us? Is she delusional? Is she (laughs) trying to play Jedi mind tricks with the average uh, American? Like, who is she she trying to fool? And the fact that they blame Donald Trump, the previous administration's policies— uh, on what's happening at the border when border crossings have skyrocketed once Joe Biden yeah. took office is an, another form of gaslighting. Yeah, no, and we, we always talk about how much Biden failed this country. Kamala is just even worse. She's the least most ineffective vice president we've had in a long, long time. Um, but no, even today, Joe Biden was asked. He was leaving the um, – he was giving a speech about some piece of legislation he's pushing. And he's leaving, and he gets asked, like, what is different? Why are there so many illegal immigrants coming now? And he said, oh, the circumstances are different between now and when Trump was president. I was like, well, the circumstances were quite different. Trump had um, said, we're going to not allow you into our country. We're going to build a wall. We're going to enforce remain in Mexico. We're going to say, if you get caught, you're going back to where you came from. Those policies worked. They deterred illegal immigration. That's simple. It's simple policies. It's, it's what a sovereign nation does. 
Um, instead, these folks are lying every day they can, saying we're secure. And the White House briefings every day, it's a secure border, it's a secure border. It was Trump's fault. And it's like, I don't know anybody out there who's looking back at the Trump years saying, yeah, that Trump guy was soft on the border. That, that's <laughs> no, no one's uh, conversation. So it's gaslighting is one way to put it. It's it's just straight up lying. They're living in a different reality for sure. Nathan Brand is our guest. He's the RNC Deputy Communications Director. Why should somebody that lives in Indiana care about what's happening at the border right now? Um, first and foremost, every town is becoming a border town. There is a serious concern about the uh, drugs being trafficked in, and it doesn't just stop in the Rio Grande Valley. It doesn't stop at the Arizona border. Um, it's working its way up. And whether um, whatever route you might want to take to uh, Indianapolis or um, in Indiana, you're, you're going to find that these fentanyls are making the fentanyl pills and the synthetics that are coming across our border. Much of the um, supplies for those are shipped over to Mexico and they're produced by the cartels and shipped across. A lot of that then finds its way into communities everywhere. And what is a leading cause of death for men 18 to 45 right now is drug overdoses. And what is the leading cause of this? It's fentanyls and these synthetic drugs. So it's absolutely alarming. It's ending up in children's schools. The cartels are turning these drugs on on like little – they're starting to make little colorful versions that kids can start – Yeah, they look like Smarties. Right, Smarties and Sweet Tarts, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's terrifying. So that's why um, your listeners are rightfully alarmed by this. And and they're showing up, and people are are turning up dead. There was a a story the other day um, about a a student had come across the stuff, and a school administrator opened up the – the capsule and he fell dead because this fentanyl is so potent it can just it can knock you like that there's so many alarming stories from across the country um and so many folks who have lost their lives and it goes back to one thing it's these cartels pushing drugs across the border we can stop it tomorrow if we had the political will to do it joe biden and kamala harris do not democrats have supported them do not have the political will to do it that's why this november is so important and nathan another angle of why somebody in indianapolis should care you're paying for it look at the amount of money the billions and billions of taxpayer dollars i think the last number i saw was 20.4 billion dollars that's being spent on just taking care of these folks that cross over illegally yeah, yeah. Whether it's just the processing, like this is again, this is like city-wide uh, like operations that have to get up, and then you mobilize people and you ship them across the country. The real strain on natural the resources of communities. You ship them to places like like going back to Martha's Vineyard. The whole community, the island community, is like we don't have the resources to handle fifty illegal immigrants. You just have to deal with 50. That's an hour in some of these Rio Grande Valley communities, let alone the Indianapolis of the world where they're trying to um, bust people into, whether or not it's these other um, communities across the country where the Biden administration is flying people into and saying, hey, there will be a a local government official or a local charity that will pick you up and take care of you. Um, Someone else will pay for it. It'll be great. 
And then ultimately, it's your tax dollars. It's the, the government dollars that are going to fund these efforts to relocate people across the country. So and, now every community is a border town at this point. And really, these Democrat mayors, you know, from Chicago to D.C. to, to New York City have all been virtue signaling over the years. We're sanctuary cities. We love, I mean, Bowser <laughs> from D.C. 2018 declared it was rolling out the red carpet. We are a sanctuary city. And now fast forward to September of 2022. She's like, we don't have the infrastructure for 50 yeah. for 200 people in this city well what have you been doing for the past five years she hasn't lifted a finger she didn't ever expect this kind of thing to happen why isn't there an yeah. infrastructure in place for these democrat cities when it comes to infrastructure for illegal aliens they never thought for a second they didn't care they never expected and it's all just one big virtue signal yeah and to go on uh, finish her quote there she goes on to say Quote, we're not Texas. Yeah. What does she think? <laughs> like, do you think Texas has the infrastructure for this? It's like, it's not like it's, it's us versus them. It's, nobody does. This is millions of illegal immigrants. 4.4 million since Joe Biden took office, including those 850,000 gotaways we talked about. It's asinine. It's like, of course, they don't have the infrastructure. Texas doesn't have infrastructure. Nobody does. This is way too many people. It's the population of Indianapolis who's now been led into this country um, with no detection whatsoever. And, and to your point, it's the drugs. It's the terror watchlist people. It's You go down the list. There's so much reason to be alarmed by all that's happening here. And um, I keep coming back to it. This is why people got to vote in November. Nathan Brand is the RNC Deputy Communications Director. Nathan, great chat, man. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, thank you, Hammer. Thank you, Nigel. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We got some legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. Hammer, how about this chick in California that lied about being kidnapped when she was actually cheating on her husband? Oh, she this happened happened in 2016. Remember this? She's been sentenced to 18 months. Uh, she disappeared in 2016 for a couple of weeks. Said she'd been kidnapped by two Latina women. Uh oh. Kept her locked inside a closet. Uh, she's married. She's got she's a mother of two. She's 40 years old. Then she basically admitted to cops to having spent that entire time with her ex boyfriend. And, uh, you know, police said they spent thousands of man hours and $200,000 searching for this chick. She made it seem like uh, her husband at the time was a domestic abuser. She had her ex-boyfriend to break her nose with a, pocky, a hockey puck. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, she then, was really into then, the act. Yeah. And then he branded her like with a hot iron. Oh, dang. Uh and so <laughs> wow they found her and the detectives in california weren't missing around they knew this was this was sus to begin with <laughs> and uh, she broke down and she's going to jail for 18 months wow what a sociopath psycho the people that do these fake crimes there's a part of me just out of spite that wants to put them away longer than people to do actual crimes. <laughs> like, you idiot, you wasted resources, you and Jesse Smollett and all these other folks, you wasted valuable resources because of ridiculous reasons. I just hope, like, if I ever get to a point in our relationship where it's broken and it's it's we, we can't repair it, please, for the love of God, Lindsay, don't fake a kidnapping or tr kill me. 
<laughs> don't do right. just just go to a lawyer and say hey uh it's probably over that's all you got to do you don't have to fake a kidnapping you don't have to put rat poison in my uh jim beam and coke sure honey i'll make you a knob creek and soda <laughs> honey this tastes a little tangy what's what did you put in here no just just you it's know, the just off somebody, brand yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to go to Costco for this. I'm just telling you right now, though, if you, yeah. Big Nige, decide you want to go through with a stunt like this, I'm the kind of friend that will break your nose and help you. Okay, thank you. You're right. welcome. True friend. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. You know, Hammer, either Vice President Kamala Harris is uh, a delusional imbecile or she's a liar. Yes. <laughs> Or she could be all three. I don't know. You know, she was asked last weekend, is the border secure? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got a secure border. Well, there's two million people uh, this year that's crossed the border. No, 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 it's a secure border. And then these August numbers dropped. 203 illegal immigrants apprehended at the uh, U.S.-Mexico border in August. It's a 329% increase from when Trump was in office in August. You have uh, 22 uh, th- uh, I'm sorry, 2,200 pounds of fentanyl, 5,000 pounds of coke seized in August alone. And that's they're seizing a lot because a lot is coming in. Imagine what they didn't seize. I mean, you talk about the amount of fentanyl seized in August. It's like 500 million lethal doses This is the equivalent to 2,200 pounds. And forget about the, the terror watch list, the people that are on the terror watch list since last I think they've been keeping track of that, 66 people over last October. And then you look at this number, 850,000 gotaways have escaped Border Patrol. And we got a lot more of these numbers coming up here in just a little bit. I mean, it's staggering, these numbers that are coming out. I'm just trying to make the point that when Kamala Harris, the border czar, looks at everybody and says, Uh, yeah, the border's secure. She's a liar. She doesn't know crap. She hasn't been down to the border. Well, we've got to get to the root cause of uh, why people are crossing. Really, I think the root cause is cause it's pretty damn easy to get through. And the root cause is the uh, Biden administration. In fact, Joe Biden, listen to this. <laughs> this guy, some reporter asked him today. He, he was talking about something. He was walking away, and the reporter asked him why the border was overwhelmed. Uh, here's what he said. On the border, why is the border more under your watch, Mr. President. Because there are three countries that are never happened. There are fewer, there are fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. Well, so we'll just all give them citizenship here. Uh, here's a translation. If I send all those illegals back i'd lose a lot of potential votes that's what it is if you can send them back if you can't send them back to venezuela or any of those other places he mentioned i mean they mostly all come through mexico you could send them you could take them back there right oh i forgot you ended the remain in mexico policy so come on in read the red carpet it's not uh, rational to send them back to where they so what's the what's the solution there I mean, millions, millions have come through the open border hammer. Well, I think what you're going to see from the Biden administration is kind of like what we talked about yesterday, quiet fixes. Remember, Joe Biden said he wasn't going to build another inch of that wall. And then yesterday, very quietly, very under the radar, there was a press release that came out that so 
Joe Biden's fixing a little bit of the wall in key areas of the border. So Biden and the Democrats know that this is a problem for them, but they also can't bite the hand that feeds them, right? So are you going to fix the border or are you going to try to make all of these folks to cross magically eligible to vote in the midterms and in 2024? It's going to be kind of interesting to watch them balance that out. And again, coming up here a little bit after 435, some of these numbers that were released Uh, today. We just hit the tip of the iceberg there. Unbelievable. Um, So speaking of the border, this Texas sheriff that is near a border town now says he wants to look into a criminal investigation into Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis because he took some migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Take a listen to this very woke, very Democrat Texas sheriff and his thoughts on Ron DeSantis. We are opening up a case uh, with an investigation with regard to the suspected uh, activities involving the 48 migrants from Venezuela that, as we understand it at this point, the facts of the case at this point, are that on uh, Wednesday, September 14th, uh, here in Bear County in the city of San Antonio, uh, our understanding is that a Venezuelan migrant uh, was paid a, a, what we would call a bird dog fee to recruit approximately 50 migrants from the area around a migrant resource center on San Pedro uh, here in San Antonio. Uh, as we understand it, 48 migrants were uh, lured, I will use the word lured, uh, under false pretenses uh, into, into staying at a hotel for a couple of days. Uh, they were taken by airplane. At a certain point, they were shuttled to an airplane uh, where they were flown to Florida and then eventually flown to Martha's Vineyard, again, under false pretenses is the, the information that we have. So he goes on this like five minute rant and not once does he say of any crimes that were committed. Not once does he say that any potential crimes were violated. Here. Well, Gavin Newsom from California said it's a kidnapping. <laughs> he kidnapped him. I mean, okay. you're going to start filing charges. You might want to start with Joe Biden, who's been flying illegal immigrants all over the country since this all started. So three things here. Number one, in this video, which was broadcast on local television in Texas, he admitted that he didn't know if any crimes had been committed. Number two, this is the same guy that in June, when 53 illegals were found dead inside of that hot, sweaty tractor trailer, Mm. um, that was what the DHS deemed the deadliest smuggling case in U.S. history. He's not looking for any sort of charges or investigation into that. And finally, this is a good old-fashioned misdirection. You look one way, you go another. Because the same day that this guy had this press conference and went on TV and was wagging his finger at DeSantis, that's when a couple families called for his resignation for mishandling the shooting deaths of two young girls and their mother near the border town. So don't pay attention to what's happening here. The 53 dead people in a trailer, uh, the grieving family of these people here. Let's look at Florida's big, bad, scary guy, Ron DeSantis. (laughs) That's what this is about. Even some folks on the left are saying, you know what? Ron DeSantis may be onto something here. 
Charlemagne the God. He's a New York City radio host, uh, does a morning show there. He's got a pretty big platform. I mean, he's got a giant audience. He does. Big footprint, yeah. He's also got a new Comedy Central show that he does. This is Charlemagne the God on Comedy Central. For months, Republican governors have sent busloads of illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like New York, D.C., and Chicago with the message of, if you like them so much, they're yours, okay? Well, just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis upped the game by sending two plane folds of immigrants to the East Coast elite's favorite vacation island, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. I personally think it's genius. But I wish that governors like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott would give Democratic governors and mayors more of a heads up, because then that would expose the hypocrisy of the Democrats, which is they don't want immigrants here either. Of course not. And again, that's not Tucker Carlson. That's not Sean Hannity. That's Charlemagne saying that on Comedy Central last night. Is he the one that that Biden said, if you don't know whether you're voting for me or not, you ain't black? That's the very one. (laughs) That's the guy. Yeah, I mean, okay. He didn't. He, he never really pushed back on that one. If you recall. No, uh, no. But so, so, for I, I him guess. to even say this, do you think Stephen Colbert would have the no, hair on no, no. his shriveled peaches to say anything close <laughs> to that? You think butt sniffer Jimmy Kimmel's going to say anything close to that? Of course not. Um, now, last night there was a great moment in television. CNN's Don Lamont. Wait, there's no such thing. You just said great moment in television. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have thought you were going to follow that up with CNN and Don Lemon. Oh, you're going to have to hear this one. Trust me, you're going to want to hang in there. Right. So Don Lemon, fresh off being named the new morning guy at CNN, he was talking about the death of the Queen of England. He had on a royal commentator, Hillary Fordwich. And at some point, old Don starts telling Hillary, you know what? I think the royal family should start paying reparations. <laughs> and then he gets a history lesson. He gets a depancing from this woman that is so delicious, so good. This is a minute and 10 seconds. I want you to hang in there for every bit of it. And members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth? Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. (laughs) 2000... Naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died in the high seas trying to stop the slavery that those families should receive something too i think at the same time so good and then he just i mean he basically said all right well uh that's it for the segment thanks for coming on thank you hillary coming up next <laughs> basically she was saying yeah okay people want to start demanding reparations let's start with the african leaders who sold them into slavery that right. was her point and he was left dumbfounded and there's cnn's new morning guy that's your franchise guy right there, Don Lemon in the morning show, <laughs> who was left 
flabbergasted that this woman actually knows a little bit about history and did her research. Hammer and Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? You know how we play. Let's move on. Let's do it. <laughs> there was a request from somebody on Twitter yesterday that says, we know how to play. Can you just reward the folks that are here every day and just get on with it? <laughs> so there we go. We're just going to get on with it today. I like it. Is this anything? Alfredo's Pizza in Scranton, which was featured in an episode of The Office, is now suing a man that left a $3,000 tip for a waitress because he ended up canceling the payment. Oh, no. Here's the manager talking about oh. uh, how they are now talking talking the man and taking him to court. A little bit over a month ago, actually, we received something in the mail that Eric was disputing the charges for the tip that he left. He thought somebody was actually trying to do a good thing, and then now here we are, what, three months later, not even, and now there's nothing to show for at this point. It's just a little aggravating right now. It's been causing a lot of nonsense and drama. Unfortunately, we had to file charges through the magistrate's office because now we're just out of this money at this point. He told us to sue him, so that's what we're going to end up doing, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, this is something. And you hear about this thing a lot where we, over the past couple of years, rich people will go in and leave crazy tips for their servers or bartenders. It's a huge deal. We've had many of these stories. I've never heard this before. This guy leaves a $3,000 tip that tries to cancel it. I, I, I'm wondering. I'm just speculating. I don't know anything more than, than what is in this, this tiny snippet. But, I mean. Was he drunk? Huh? Was he drunk? Uh, or was it a mistake? I don't know how you... Maybe it was like a $30 tab. <laughs> right. He put the comma uh, in the wrong place. He put like 30.00 and uh, or, or maybe he forgot the the decimal point or whatever. I don't know. Like 3,000. I mean, he did that intentionally. He was trying to be a good guy or he wanted the attention and wanted a virtue signal. No, sorry. Sorry, dude. You're screwed. These people need that money. And if you're trying to be some gracious guy and maybe try to make these people think that you had more money than you did sorry man that's on you have fun paying that off in your credit card bill now if it was so let's mistake, say that you made the mistake it's a legitimate mistake though or maybe you had sloppy handwriting and it came off as three thousand and it's like no i meant 30 <laughs> like it's okay to cancel that then right i think so yeah yeah or somebody maybe somebody was shady and added an extra zero I, who knows um, is this, so you said the office, this, this pizza place was featured in the office. Yes. Alfredo's pizza. Oh, yeah. There's you, actually Armando is our resident expert on everything. Isn't that where the kid delivered a bunch of pizzas? Well, Michael had coupons for pizza by Alfredo, which is the other pizza place in Scranton, <laughs> but everybody else in the office hates pizza by Alfredo. Kevin Malone said it's like eating a hot circle of garbage. <laughs> but Michael had a bunch of coupons, but the kid that delivered the pizza refused to give him the discount on all the pizzas. So they held him hostage in the conference room. <laughs> he kidnapped the kid. That's right. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, no, if it was a mistake, then they probably need to work something out. If it wasn't, if he was, like you said, drunk or maybe trying to be braggadocious, here's a $3,000 tip, and then all of a sudden he realized what he did, he canceled it. No, you're going to have to pay that off on the credit card, pal. 
Is this anything? A police officer in Texas ended up getting sick and going to the hospital after accidentally eating drugs covered that he got from a crime scene, recovered from a crime scene. He thought it was candy. Here is retired Texas Ranger Chief Tony Leal talking about uh, the protocols that go in place and maybe there should be other things that prevent things like this from happening. Evidence cannot be sat anywhere when it is not secured. Once you remove evidence, then it's got to be in the custody of someone or in a place that cannot be tampered with, period. So it's not like this police officer accidentally got a whiff of fentanyl, which has happened before on drug busts or meth or whatever, and he had to go to the hospital because of an unintentional intake of drugs. This guy <laughs> grabbed what he thought was a piece of candy from the crime scene. Ah, oh, this Jolly Rancher looks good. Let's see what this tastes like. I think you and I are the most pro-law enforcement show <laughs> in the Midwest, and I think even all the cops that we know personally would probably be making fun of this guy right now, this police officer that did that. Leave the crime scene alone, fatty. <laughs> certainly don't eat things that... We were just talking about how drugs coming through the border are now made to look like Smarties and Sweet Tarts. Right. Yeah, if you're at a crime scene, especially a drug bust, leave it alone, dude. <laughs> it feels like this should be page one of yeah. like the police officer's handbook. Don't eat things at the crime scene. And they actually have protocols in place to avoid something like this. You actually need protocols to tell your police officers not to eat the candy-looking things that may or may not be fentanyl at a, dry, uh, at a crime scene. Okay. <laughs> It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> and we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Yeah, you know, when Joe Biden tells you the border's secure, he's lying. When the borders are Kamala Harris, the vice president, tells you the border's secure, they're lying. When Kareem Jean-Pierre, a White House press secretary, tries to spin the border as uh, a problem of the previous administrations, he's a all-out gaslighting liar hammer. We have uh, numbers from August. We uh, talked a little bit about that, uh, about those numbers uh, at the beginning of this hour. And the ones we mentioned were just the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's, it's these numbers that came out for August are nuts. Now, keep in mind, these are one month. This yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. some sort of like from January until now. This is one month, the month of August. Uh, this is newly released information from the Customs and Border Protection uh, Agency. 203,597 illegal immigrants were apprehended trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in August. Over 200,000. And those were just the ones that were apprehended. Lord knows how many got away. That is a 329% increase, 329% from the average August when Donald Trump was the president. But how can that be? Because the White House press secretary, because Kamala Harris have both basically said that the, uh, the border crossings were awful. All this trouble we're having now is as a result of the previous administration. But wait a minute, you just said they're 329%. That's an increase in the average number of just August apprehensions alone under Trump. Right. How can that be? What am I, what am I missing here? It sounds almost, and again, <laughs> this is just my opinion, like the current administration is lying to you. Mm. So I'm going to give you a couple numbers here, Nigel. Tell me which one is the scariest. The CBP is reporting that 
12 individuals were arrested in August at the border that were on the FBI's terror watch list, bringing the total to 78 this year, or 2,204 pounds of fentanyl was seized at the southern border in the month of August alone. Which one is a scarier number? Oh, man. The... Boy, you're going to make me choose. Here's the thing with the terror watch lists. So, so you said 78 so far this year? Yes, 78? 12 in August alone. Oh, 12 alone in August? And then we have hundreds of thousands of gotaways since last October? I think that's that's the more... Oh boy, that's scary, man. Who knows? I think it's both really troubling. But, uh, but man, when you consider that 2,000 pounds of fentanyl equals... I don't know, hundreds of millions of lethal doses in America. That's pretty, that's awfully uh, scary. That's horrifying. Both of those numbers are horrifying. And as we mentioned earlier, now they're disguising it to look like candy. You've got these colorful little pills that look like sweet tarts or something like that. And Lord knows if kids see this kind of stuff, they're going to think maybe it's candy and it's not. It's fentanyl. How many, do they have other numbers in previous years in terms of the terror watch list? So, yeah, let's go back and I'll go year by year here. In 2017, there were two apprehensions all year at the border of people that were officially on the FBI's terror watch list. Two all year in 2017. That number was upped to six in 2018. In 2019, zero, none, not a single arrest on the terror watch list at the border Hmm. in 2020 the number was three and then in 2021 it went up to 15 and as of today the number is 78 and we still have a number of months to go so wait a minute so 2019 zero apprehensions that were on the app that were on the terror watch list and so far this year we have 78 78 and then what was the gotaways number Oh man, um, I don't. Let me find it here. Oh, it's 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 well up over. It's towards a million. Yeah, eight hundred and fifty thousand. Holy crap! Eight hundred and fifty thousand got away. That's since Biden took office, though, right? Correct. Correct. So you have so you have people that just got away into the United States, have no idea where they're at. These aren't people that uh, were cited by ICE and given a court date to come back. These are people that just we don't know where they're at, who they are. And yeah, I wonder how many of those should have been on the terror watch list. This was That was my point earlier when you said what's more concerning. Right. That number is crazy. How about 11,365 unaccompanied children oh, that makes me apprehended sick. at the border? Where's AOC going down there to cry? Where's AOC wearing the red lipstick and the white suit going down yeah. there to cry for all the children? Well, it's I tell you where she's at. She's nowhere to be found because Biden is part of the administration now he's running the show trump's running the show she's down there she's acting like she's crying in front of a bunch of suvs it was a photo op uh and you know the kids in cages when of course there were kids in cages under obama he's the one that invented that whole thing right it was his idea now that biden's now that biden's in control and running the show and kamala harris is the borders are not i mean hell Kamala Harris hasn't been down to the border, much less AOC. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you bash our current vice president. She says we have a secure border. You're confident this border is secure? We have 
a secure border <laughs> and that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. No. No, these no, numbers no. say completely the opposite, Mrs. Czar. Can I call you Mrs. Czar? Uh, yeah, these numbers say completely the opposite. $20.4 billion in benefits and services for illegal immigrants. That's $4 billion more than the Trump administration had for the border wall. So let me repeat that because I think this bears repeating. Right now, this country is spending $20.4 billion on benefits and services for people who break the law and cross illegally. When Donald Trump asked for $4 billion for the border wall, they laughed at him and said that that was a video game type of number. There's no way they could come up with that type of cash. We get bored and just give it to Ukraine now. We, I mean, you look back at what $4 billion could have done for this country. Listen, the border wall would not have been perfect. Would people still get across? Sure. Are there going to be drug cartels that dig tunnels underneath and find a way through? Sure. But it wouldn't be this bad. And the numbers show when you look at the arrests of terror watch list folks at the border during the four years Donald Trump was the president, they were nowhere near what you're seeing right now. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, some folks at Martha's Vineyard are speaking up about what they're seeing in their backyards. Uh, Fox News spoke to some of the residents about Martha's Vineyard, and they got their thoughts on some of their favorite politicians. Were you surprised at all when Governor Ron DeSantis decided, okay, you know what, guess what, I'm going to send 50 of the migrants uh, who volunteered to come to this, to come, to come to Boston, to come to Martha's Vineyard. Were you surprised when they arrived? No, I wasn't. And I actually, I really praised him for doing that because it wasn't a stunt. I know the media has been saying it's a stunt. But, um, you know, how do you get the attention of, of, of the administration? How do you get the attention of Harris, who's supposed to be in charge of this? That Do you think she's been a good border czar? I don't, it's really a joke, and everyone knows it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Martha's Vineyard resident? Right. Wow. And honestly, that's the same take that Charlemagne the God had on his show on Comedy Central. I think there are even some big-time historical Democrats who are saying maybe this is what it takes to bring attention to the failed policies yes. of Biden at the border. Here's a little bit more from some of these Martha Vineyard residents. Tell the truth. I don't believe anything that comes out of the administration anymore. My message would be, how do you think the people in Texas feel that are getting thousands exactly. of them coming in a day? And uh, we had a little taste of it with 50. People's eyes are starting to be opened, I have a feeling. If you have, you have woke residents of liberal Martha's Vineyard, rich woke residents that are actually turning around and saying, I don't know what these two people's political backgrounds are. It seems like they might be a little more right-leaning than any anything, but uh, when you have people... You're, you're absolutely right when you said this is highlighting a problem uh, nationwide. This is bring at bringing attention. That's why it's, it's genius of Abbott and DeSantis to do this, is because it's highlighting a real problem we're having at the border, and you're already seeing Joe Biden quietly starting on that border again he took over that office he shut everything down we're not adding a, he ran campaign on it walls walls are racist yesterday we had the story oh man we're 
We're just going to quietly finish this thing. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Just, uh, look the other way. Put a press release out about 5.05, and we'll see if anybody picks it up. In Joe Biden's first 100 days that he took office, he signed more than 94 executive actions on immigration, including the halting of the wall and ending of the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy. Yep. It's turned out to be deadly. The latest numbers show over 750 illegal migrants have died this year at the border under Joe Biden's administration. Imagine if Donald Trump were the president. They'd be wanting him tried for every single murder individual. It wouldn't have happened under him during president. He had the thing on lockdown, so to speak. Uh, And it just goes to show there's no... There's no answer. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, has been confronted about this. Look, wait a minute. You're telling me the border's secure and it's the pre- previous administration's fault that border crossings are are skyrocketing, our records? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's his fault. It's, it's their fault. No, it's not. They had it partially under control. I'm not saying he did all he could Trump with the wall. Maybe there was more that could have been done in that area. But uh, like you said, it's 300% in the month of August. Record numbers, 300% in the month of August of illegal border crossings compared to the Trump administration. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Got some audio here for you. A bunch of bystanders were calling out a quote, Karen. She was pulling down a bunch of flags from several Latin American countries flying outside a school in Oakland, California on Saturday. Now, you're going to hear someone off camera confuse them with Black Lives Matter flags, but they were flags from, like, you know, Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras. Um, and they, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, in this country, so that's what they were hanging up for. Here's the audio. Why are you taking it down? Why do you feel scared? My this is health. Why did you take that Black Lives Matter flag down? This is not Black Lives Matter. This is Mexico. This is Mexico. I'm taking it down. Why? Because I'm a racist. Just leave Psycho. the flags alone. If you don't know what they are. Don't complain, because clearly you thought they were Black Lives Matter flags, but they weren't. They were nation flags. It was like Mexico's flag. No, the, no, no, no. She, the person pulling them down, knew that they were Mexican. That was the excuse she used. Like somebody yelled at oh, her. Okay. Somebody yelled at her. Goes, hey, why are you taking down those Black Lives Matter flags? She goes, they're not Black Lives Matter. It's Mexico. Like I that got makes it. it all better. Right. Like that makes it. Oh, okay. Well, then proceed. Okay. Go on. Move on as normal. I just thought it was a dummy. It's a racist. <laughs> they're all okay. dummies. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now I understand perfectly. Um, I've got some sad news for you, Nige. Unfortunately, I don't mean to bring us down. Mm. The woman who invented the hair scrunchie has passed away at the age of 78. Oh, no, my wife and daughter use those all the time. Um, You know me. I want to start an all-funeral channel. Sure. Uh, One of my reporters that I would have covering this is out getting some demo coverage done. Would you like to hear an update from the funeral? Let's hear it. The woman who invented the scrunchie has died. Reports are she couldn't put up with her life and got twisted in a hairy situation. Okay. When people heard about her passing, 
they got all knotted up. Oh, come on. Pallbearers include Madonna, Sarah Jessica Parker, <laughs> Debbie Gibson, Janet Jackson, and Paula Abdul. Instead of being buried, she was tied up, tangled, and got misplaced in the couch cushion. Good lord! And rather than handing out tissues for mourners, they were given scrunchies that matched their clothes, and they wore them on their wrists so they could wipe away tears. Reporting from the scrunchie inventor funeral, I'm Harry Frisback. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. You know, at this point, Biden probably doesn't even remember it, but he told America <laughs> over the weekend that the pandemic is over. <laughs> remember, remember that on 60 Minutes? Remember, Joe, when you told everybody, remember the pandemic was over? He was celebrating the fact that people weren't wearing masks and anymore. And they went to car show in Detroit. Look, yeah, nobody's wearing masks. Pandemic's over. And quite frankly, for me, as a side note, it was over for me when the, the empty medical ships pulled out of New York City early 2020. Right, and right. That was That's when I said, okay, but that's neither here nor there. By the way, the left hated, hated to hear Biden say the pandemic was over. Uh, again, he said this on 60 Minutes of Scott Pelley. They were gnashing their teeth. They seized because it means the government and their ridiculous restrictions on normal behavior have been removed. Plus the fact that it doesn't make any sense anyway that the fact, you know, the the DOJ is is trying to have the transit mask mandate reinstated and Biden used that COVID emergency order as an end around for student debt forgiveness. It just destroyed any arguments you have at this at this point. So uh, should we should we revisit what Biden initially said on Sunday night? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems <laughs> to be in pretty good shape. Just completely decimating his argument about the Head Start program, uh, and, and you know they, they're still masking toddlers. They're firing teachers uh, they're left firing and right. Teachers for not getting the vaccine. And the funniest thing is, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the Department of Justice that that transit mask mandate, that public transit that was. Um, ruled unconstitutional or or thrown out by a Florida judge. They're trying to have that reinstated. <laughs> Here you have Biden. <laughs> yeah, nobody's wearing a mask. Pandemic's over. You can just cough in people's faces again. <laughs> Corn Pop used to cough in my face, and we're back there again. I can't do an impression as good. Mondo, could you do an impression of what Joe Biden would sound like talking about this? It's over. And they said, Joe, <laughs> the pandemic sore. The car pop was a bad dude who ran with a bunch of bad boys. And the pandemic sore. <laughs> anyway. In my mind, Dr. Fauci sat down on his couch. He's oh, over yeah. too. <laughs> he had a cup of hot soup. You know, he was in like a little state hot of relaxation. Soup. Hot soup. And the minute Joe Biden said that, he spit it out. He spilled it all over himself. He jumped up with third-degree burns, and he was yelling at the TV. Oh, yeah. This is Dr. Fauci's response to what Joe Biden had to say the other night. We are not where we need to be if we're going to be able to, quote, live with the virus because we know we're not going to eradicate it. We only did that with one virus, which is smallpox, and that was very different. 
And Joe Biden's running around going, ah, hell, you can sniff butts again. I don't care. The pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. Oh, man. I mean, basically, Fauci was saying all but saying we have to live with this thing like we do the flu and if you want to get a vaccine he didn't say this he wouldn't say that. he'd recommend he'd make everybody get vaccines and boosters if he could but right i mean really what it's going to be is just like the, you know i'm going to go get the flu shot next week uh, i'm not eligible for any more boosters and i don't think even if i was i'd get one and you listen to that clip too you said look uh fauci complained that we have 67 percent, only 67 percent of the population is vaccinated Barely 30% have been boosted. He didn't mention anything about kids, by the way. Those numbers have crashed in terms of vaccinations. Crashed. And lately, but every look, time we hear the story, it's somebody that's vaccinated and boosted that gets yeah, the thing. The, the thing's like flypaper. It attracts <laughs> COVID. And, 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 and you listen to that clip and Fauci says, look, it's still a dangerous situation. Only 67% are vaccinated. But w- deaths have cratered. There's, there's no intensive care unit anywhere that's overflowing. There, there's, I mean, no, Biden said it himself in the clip. Nobody's wearing masks. Dude, it's over, bruh. It was over for a lot of people a long time ago. And Just the Democrats it. are so ticked off that Joe spoke off the cuff and said that. Because how are they supposed to control your lives if you've got the president of the United States going up there yeah. saying it's over and nobody's wearing masks? Uh, Mondo, let's play a quick round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? And for those who are new to this game, here to explain it is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? Sonny Hostin of The View is calling Nikki Haley the chameleon because she's implying that Nikki Haley adopted the name Nikki as a fake name so Republicans aren't turned off by her real Indian heritage. I think we've got some if they're willing to challenge Trump. I'd love to see Nikki Haley. I'd love to see Liz Cheney. I'd love to see and Nikki Chris Haley, Sununu. the chameleon, and and Liz Cheney. Flip flop. I disagree. Of... I think I Flip think flop. I think that Nikki Haley was incredibly effective governor of South Carolina. What is her real name Aside... Wait, Alyssa, I have a question because... for you. Aside from Ron DeSantis, a lot of a lot of people don't go by their actual real name. What is her name? Yeah, I believe it's. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's, it's Indian, but she, she's but her background's she Indian. Doesn't necessarily, you know. I think if she leaned into a ton of people, don't go by their but color. A, a, wait, a serious different. question. A- uh, Nimrata is her real name, by the way. She's like, um, you know, Punjab India is, you know, Punjabi Indian is her heritage. So she's saying that she goes by Nikki because she doesn't want people to know that she's India. And she calls her like, a chameleon because she yeah, wants that to hide is it. racist. That is totally racist. I haven't heard anything. Remark remotely uh, said about Beto O'Rourke, who appropriated a Hispanic nickname to make people think that he's of that heritage. He's Robert Francis (laughs) O'Rourke. Patty O'Rourke is what people call him. If anything, what frustrates me the most is that the lesson from the barbershop in coming to America has not had an effect on Sonny Hostin at all. I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. (laughs) Yeah, I ain't saying Clay ain't bad. I'm just saying, I stopped liking Cash Clay. Want to change the name to Muhammad Ali? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name <laughs> yes. to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, or Nikki Haley, is a free country, you should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. The lessons of the barbershop 
were completely lost on Sonny Hostin, the racist on I the mean, view. I mean, what's worse, Pocahontas appropriating and lying about her fake Indian heritage or using the name Nikki instead of her traditional name? Stealing Please. scholarship money away yeah. from people who are actually deserving yeah. of it or going by Nikki. is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here a little bit after 5.30. We'll bring in Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony. Get his thoughts on Joe Biden's disastrous interview on 60 Minutes being panned by Democrats and Republicans alike. Uh, that's a little bit after 5.30. Hammer, a uh, new survey. Uh, listen to this. I, I, I'm curious. Do you carry a lot of cash on you no. at all times? I am Hardly not any? a cash guy at all. Uh, neither am I, and it's more of convenience than anything right i, I right. don't have i don't stop by the atm i don't if i do have to get cash out i'll just go to kroger and pay an extra 50 cents to use you know the cash back option when i buy a case of beer or something like that 45 percent of us used cash in the past week and the top things we still use it for include smaller purchases public transportation groceries and gas I, I pay I pay check I'm sorry I pay credit card for all that stuff. Yeah, credit or okay. debit card for all. Now debit, yeah. Now the question I think it's a little bit different. Do I normally carry cash? No, but have I used cash in the past week? Yes. Oh, have you? Yeah. I think, like even this morning, I'll get like my treat to myself once a week is a Coke with extra ice at McDonald's, a buck. Right. A, 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 with tax of buck oh nine, and I'm still using a debit card for that <laughs> once a week. I uh, usually do, but every once in a while, like if I have to go air up a tire or something at a gas station, oh, yeah. I'll take out ten bucks. I'll buy something at the convenience store, so I've got quarters for the air machine or something silly like that. Now, I do go somewhere where I, you have to pay cash or check, and that's the uh, barber shop there in Boone Village. Miss Connie and uh, Mike and those guys, Miss Jenny, all charge. You, you, they don't take credit card. It's it's one of those mom and pop places right. where it's it's cash or check. Um, when I go on I, vacation, every, I'll have cash with me sometimes. Okay, yeah, because Vegas, yes. where you have to tip people and things like that, you want to have some cash on yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, so minor emergencies like keeping cash around the house to cover unexpected expenses. I mean, like I consider unexpected expenses to be like a hot water heater malfunction. I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a credit card for that purchase. Right. You know, I'm not going to. I don't got five thousand dollars laying underneath my mattress. You know. <laughs> right. Um, right. But forty five percent of us have used cash in the past week, and the average person who still carries cash has around seventy bucks in their wallet right now. Really? Yeah. It's average. Wow. For those of us that carry cash, 70 is the average. So I guess the question becomes, how often is that guy going to the strip club? Because that's a place <laughs> where cash is king, right? Uh, that's also a place where there is an ATM machine, and it's going to run you about 12 to $15 extra when you withdraw. Trust me, I know. Not right. recently, but I do have some experience with that sort of thing earlier in my 20s. Dude, there's nothing worse than when you have that household emergency. Like, you get to a point where you feel like, all right, I'm pretty good with my finances yep. here. We're rolling. Yep. Next thing you know, your brakes go out. Your water heater goes out. You got to go buy a new washer and dryer. It's always it's something, the worst. man. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, entertainment, uh, gas, clothing, all those. No, it's all debit card yeah. for me. And I, 
I don't know whether, like, my old man carries cash on him. He usually, usually likes to pay for things with cash. I just don't like having that much money on me. I don't either. And I find if I have the cash, I spend it on stupid stuff. And I know it's the same as having a debit card. I know this. But if I've got, like, $2 bills in my wallet or something, I'm going to go to the vending machine here at work and get a Diet Coke or something. that's true. But what about do you uh, using a credit card versus debit card? Like, do you have a big balance on the credit card right now in the Hammer household? I just paid mine off. It's not too bad. Yeah. Again, we had but, a bunch of crap go through at once, uh, but I'm a debit card user. Like, just swipe and take it out of the checking account and let's go. And well, and we just got a Southwest card, too, which gets its points, free flights, stuff like that. Right. I've always had a GM card. So the next card, I, so, so, which accrues points if I want to buy uh, a new car under the GM umbrella. Okay. Uh, but I've had that forever. I just pay, I had like $400. I just paid that off. So there you go. 45% have used cash in the past week. And uh, the average person who still carries cash, 70 bucks in your wallet right now. Uh, Kyle, can I have some mood music, please? Is this a little Lady Gaga right is, here? Yeah. Is this Poker Face? Uh, I don't know, is it? I think it is. <laughs> you want to hear a dad joke? No. No. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know how to make Lady Gaga mad? Poker face. <laughs> <sighs> Lady Gaga got to <laughs> emotional on Instagram. <laughs> Poker face. Um, she had to cancel her concert down in Miami, had to cut it short. Didn't really cancel it. She's in the middle of the concert, but had to cut it short. Here she is uh, telling everybody why, what happened. We really tried to finish the show tonight in Miami, but we couldn't because there was lightning that was striking right down Uh, to the ground. I've always wanted to be like that hardcore bad but what I really want is to also be responsible and loving. I don't know what I would do if anything happened to anybody in the audience. I'm sorry that we didn't get to do the epic performance of Rain on Me in the Rain, but what's more worth it to me is life. Is anybody giving her crap because she couldn't continue due to a storm happening? Like, what kind of unrational person blames Lady Gaga for that? And when dealing with lightning especially, I don't care whether it is you're at an outdoor concert or you're on the golf course. I was out on the golf course for my birthday in May. I just got new clubs, one swing in my with my new clubs, and I chunked it, obviously. It was a horrible swing. <laughs> uh, the alarm, the siren went off at the golf club there at the Holiday Farms, and they, they don't mess around. We had a guy, all right, It wasn't everybody. like Caddyshack, where <laughs> I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. No, not at all. They came and got us. I mean, they yanked us, and we spent the next two hours in the clubhouse waiting for it to clear up because the deal is, uh, and this is probably the way it is in a lot of places, whether it be a concert venue, an outdoor sporting event, like you have to wait half a half hour in between lightning strikes. Oh, yeah. Right? So, Baseball games is so, like that. Yeah, yeah, I was at a Cubs game a few years ago. It, it was like, so if 29 minutes and 30 seconds goes by without a lightning strike, and all of a sudden, boom, with 15 seconds left, another lightning uh, is off in the distance. You have to wait another half hour. Right. And it just backs up. It's got to be a it, clear it, 30 it, yeah, minutes. it accumulates. So they take that stuff seriously. Did you see Post Malone had to cut his concert short? Well, he, I think he's coming here in October. 
I believe, at uh, Gamerage Fieldhouse. Uh, this was in St. Louis. He had a he took a hard fall at a trap door. It, um, like they put the guitars up and down. They had this trap door in the middle of the stage. And they didn't close it, and he like fell right into the middle of it, right in, into his stomach, like his ribs. And oh. bro- he broke a few ribs on stage. Here is when the music track stops playing, followed by what he said after being he, he was tended to by paramedics. And here's his social media post later that night. He like came back after a 15-minute break and finally finished a shortened version of his show. Give me like three, three or four minutes. It wasn't that quick when he started addressing the crowd. He laid there in pain for minutes. In St. Louis... Thank you for the patience. So whenever we do the acoustic part of the show, the guitars on the guitar stand and it goes down, there's this big hole. So I go around there and I turn the corner and bust my ass and winded me pretty good. And we just got back from the hospital. Everything's good. They gave me some pain meds and everything. So um, we can keep kicking ass on the tour. I just want to apologize. I love you guys so much. I mean, that reminds me of Dave Grohl falling off the stage a bunch of years ago overseas. I mean, just shattered his ankle and he had to sit there with the doctor holding it in place to finish the show. Um, James Hetfield of Metallica uh, in I bet it was even Toronto it was in Toronto or Ontario Guns N' Roses on the Black Album tour back in the 90s where Pyrotechnics lit his ass up and had spent he had to spend uh, several days in the hospital and weeks off stage recovering from from that sort of thing. So Tim McGraw just fell too. Did you he see did? that? Tim McGraw was on stage no. at a concert, and this was I think he was getting a little too cute. He had turned his back. He was going to do a picture with the crowd and got a little too close to that edge and uh, oh, lost his balance. No. All right, uh, coming up next, it's Tuesdays with Tony. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We're hooking up live with Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony. We've had a couple of days to let Joe Biden's disastrous interview with 60 Minutes sink in. I'm just your overall impression. The White House had to walk some things back. He's talking about COVID is over. He's like, yeah, inflation, no big deal. Your impression of our president who doesn't do too many of these interviews, Tony? Um, Far worse than anybody is talking about. And under any normal circumstances, this would be the only story in the 24-hour news cycle. But in a world where they would rather talk about, yeah, those Republicans are fascists, it doesn't get as much coverage. There is no way other way to view it than this was horrific for the administration, horrific for the White House, causes problems for Democrats in the midterms, uh, all, all around bad. And doesn't believe that inflation's a problem. He's already said that he's running for re-election, and now that's back on the table, committing the United States to war against China regarding Taiwan. Uh, look, I'm not in favor of China invading Taiwan, but if your policy is, and the policy of the United States is strategic ambiguity, you're supposed to be ambiguous. That's not <laughs> we're getting for the second time from Biden. So either it's purposeful in its intentions or it's purposeful in the idea that Biden doesn't know how to control himself in the scenario. All in all, it was really bad, and I think it plays poorly in the midterm. 
Tony, you've been covering politics for a long time. You've been talking about it for a long time. Is it normal for the White House to have to walk back every single thing said when a president has a speech? Because it's not just the 60-minute speech. You go back to when he's talking about the conflict with Russia and Ukraine, and you talk about COVID and all this kind of stuff. They're constantly having to walk back things this guy says. Is this normal? This isn't normal, right? This is not normal. And if you will allow me, I will share with you something Dana Perino over at Fox said. This goes back to March, I think it was. March of 2022. She's on on, uh, Kudlow's show, Larry Kudlow uh, on on Fox Business. I'll share this. Let me me play it here. This is Dana Perino explaining this exact point to Larry Kudlow. It was from the heart, and the White House took less than 10 minutes to get walkbacks <laughs> to reporters. Seriously, there's, a, uh, there's White House reporters that had walked the walkback from five different aides within 10 minutes. You've worked at a White House. Do you think that the communications team was able to go to the president after his speech in Poland and say, Mr. President, you just said these nine words. Did you mean to say those? Mm-hmm. And if he says, yes, I did, then you deal with it. I don't think they asked him. So now he's in this position where we have weakened the president on the world stage. And maybe he shouldn't have said what he said. But then he said, but then I think they go a step further when they say he's speaking in his personal capacity. That is ridiculous. This is a speech on the world stage. The most important speech so far of Biden's in Poland in on the world stage where everybody's watching the adversaries, your allies, your military, your moms and dads. And at the end, you say this line and then the White House tries to say he was speaking in his personal capacity to date wow i think that is the best analysis and understanding of what's going on that there's absolutely no way they asked biden they do it on their own i think the undercutting of joe biden here the reality that he's not in charge i think as dana perino explains this it just plays it out perfectly what are the odds they went to him and the answer is zero What's worse gaslighting here, uh, Tony? I mean, like, are the Democrats just gaslighting on purpose, or are they delusional? What is worse, the inflation stuff? They come out and have a big party for the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation goes up. Uh, Biden goes on 60 Minutes and, and talks about, oh, it's only, it hasn't gone up very much. Or are they? is it worse than uh, Kamala Harris telling Chuck Todd that the border is secure? Chuck Todd looking at her going, we got 2 million illegal immigrants this year coming board. You know, 800,000 gotaways. I don't know which is worse, in your opinion. Are they the same? I don't know if I have to rank them as as worse. But you asked about the gaslighting. It's 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 very, very real. Uh, lying to the American people is real. And if the Indiana Democratic Party or any other progressive wants to claim that's not a lie or scream something about Trump, scream all about Trump all you want. Great. You, you enjoy uh, that. But inflation affects every American, and the border now affects every American like it should. And this administration is lying. Joe Biden's lying. Kamala Harris is lying. It needs to be said. It needs to be repeated. It needs to be shared, especially on the border. On the inflation, we know he's lying because we're the ones who buy the eggs, and the eggs are up 38%. 
Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tony, I believe you and I both have seen the film Animal House a time or two. There's a line in that movie that says, don't get mad, get even. And that's what I think Ron DeSantis did by sending the migrants up to Martha's Vineyard, which completely blew a lot of people's mind. He didn't get mad, he got even. What are your thoughts on what some are calling the political stunts of DeSantis and Governor Abbott of Texas. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. You know, Tony, I've always heard that clip, and I've always rebutted with, it's one way to go through life. It's not. It's not, Nigel. Please. Please. Don't. When when met with uh, the the, the Dow of National Lampoon, don't try and refute it. It's just silly at this stage. Look, um, the most important argument, which I've been discussing on air, and I was very happy to hear the Democratic mayor of El Paso get into. The people who are making this treacherous journey, this thousand-mile trek, uh, they're not doing it so they can get to Texas. They're doing it so they can get to the United States. And that includes Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C., and Chicago, Illinois, and New York, and San Francisco, and Indianapolis, and a host of other places. So everybody has got to start doing and taking in their fair share of illegal immigrants so they understand the problem. And if if Ducey of Arizona and Abbott of Texas and DeSantis of Florida are getting people to recognize this and realize this, I say good on them. And now we've got this uh, sheriff of a border town in Texas near San Antonio, uh, not quite in San Antonio, but close to it, wanting to file charges, wanting to go after Ron DeSantis, calling it human trafficking. Where was all of this talk when the Biden administration was doing this in the middle of the night for about a year and a half? Yeah, I think it was was it 70 flights to uh Florida, that's what the mayor of Miami uh, said. I'm not paying these people any mind. They're unserious people. They've been unserious for a long time. I had people coming at me. How could you be okay with this, Tony? Moving people around. Were you okay when they were moving Jews around by train? If you oh want to make a Holocaust God. comparison wow. to this, you're too dumb to be in the room. And I mean to insult you at this moment. Nobody got uh, these illegal immigrants out of bed. No one stole their property. Nobody threw them into ghettos. They came of their own volition. And does it really matter if they're in El Paso and Martha's Vineyard or Martha's Vineyard? The answer is, of course not. Only the most radical, indecent ideologue makes that kind of comparison. And I know there are people on social media who listen to your show, listen to my show. I've let them go. If I lose a listener over not paying attention or not willing to engage in this kind of despicable nonsense garbage talk, the pseudo-intellectualism, I'm cool with it. I'm going to sleep like a baby. Uh, what what DeSantis, Abbott, and Ducey have done here is make sure that we're talking about this nationally. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, and Mitch that we've got a crisis now. We need government help on this. Why don't we go about solving our border problems? One more thing, Tony, before we let you go here. We'll bring it back to Indianapolis here. Uh, The prosecutor's race I am fascinated with. We've been talking a lot about the crime in Indianapolis, as have you, Tony. Uh, We got this prosecutor's forum tonight, kind of a pseudo town hall. Uh, What is the most interesting race in Indiana for the midterms for you? Is it the Marion County prosecutor's race? Is it something else? 
Um, so first, I, I think that, that you're right. Uh, that the uh, Mears Carrasco race is, is an important one because it's going to answer the question what do the people of Indianapolis actually uh, care about? Uh, do they care about crime or do they care about letters after names? That's an extremely, extremely important one, uh, important question to ask. If we want to know in the state of Indiana which race to me is more fascinating, I'm taking a look at the first district, which is uh, Lake County, uh, that that East Chicago area, where you have the Democrat Frank Mervan going up against Jennifer Ruth Green, Republican, uh, uh, military uh, history, black woman. Uh, there's a there's a really fascinating race going on there, and from what I'm hearing, she's she's campaigning well. Now, this is a, a an area where the district where the Democrats are certainly outnumber the Republicans, but this is also an uh, in, in area that is is 20% black and 14.5% uh, Hispanic. There's a lot of opportunity in here, and I'm very curious to see how uh, Jennifer Ruth Green goes about uh, making this happen. He has not one but two radio programs on this station. The morning show, 6 to 9. The midday show, 12 to 3. Tony Katz, thank you. Thank you Always. Dave. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. All right. More Hammer and Nigel coming up after 6 o'clock. A preview of that uh, Marion County Prosecutor Forum tonight involving Cindy Carrasco as the uh, Republican uh, nominee going for prosecutor up against Ryan Mears. More, it's not so much a a debate style event, more as kind of a town hall, like a town hall forum where people are uh, submit questions and there's a moderator that asks them, but they're pretty important, pertinent questions. We'll go over some of the things they're going to ask, and uh, hopefully some of you guys will be there tonight and relay what you know, relay what that was like. Uh, plus, Reverend Charles Harrison on the crime in Indy got a little booze news. That's all coming up after six o'clock. Hammer, which state watches too much football? If I had to bet, I would say Texas. Uh, you know, well, football is, let, what, a month old now here into the season? So if you're a Cleveland fan who's choosing the Browns over your significant other, you're making a huge mistake again. <laughs> I bet online. Uh, Boy, what yeah. a way to lose a yeah. game. Good I Lord. I saw that the Jets. Uh, Joey Flax, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Here's what they did, this this, this online betting thing. Um, they wanted to find out what areas of the country watch too much football, and they used significant others to do it. So they geotagged Twitter data to find out where people were complaining about the time their partners spent watching football. So when your you... wife goes to social media and says, yes. all Nigel does is yes. watch this damn football, like that's the kind of stuff they're looking for. Yeah, they tracked around 150,000 tweets for the past 30 days. And the state with the most complaints from your significant others were West Virginia and Ohio. <laughs> the home of the Browns and the Bengals is number two. West Virginia is number one. Nebraska is number three. Uh, the rest of the top ten, Iowa, Texas, Kentucky, Indiana, Okay. Idaho, South Carolina, and Colorado. So chances are if you're a Hoosier and your significant other was whining on Twitter about how much football you watch, this was taken into consideration. 
and I bet a lot of this has to do with gambling too, because yeah. Indiana, the state of Indiana, is a uh, it was a top five sports betting state. Well, there's now, not that many of them. They're becoming more and more common, but yeah. New Jersey is by far and away number one. Obviously, Nevada is still Nevada, but uh, Indiana, man, Indiana was right there. Illinois, New York, then you start getting into states like Indiana. Well, my wife understands that on Colts football Sundays, I'm available, I'm unavailable from generally one to three. And I'll wake up, honey, do you need me to do anything? you need me to go to the grocery? What do you want me to do, honey? I'll do laundry. Just so long as she knows, she's got to leave me the hell alone from 1 to about 4 o'clock yeah. <laughs> on average. And then as soon as that, that football game is done, it's back to the honeydew list. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I got the betting show in the morning followed right. by the Colts game. So I tell the better half, listen, I'm off the grid until 5. <laughs> Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC or subscribe and get it right to your phone.